I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives oh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash WA. No seriousness. <laughs> Immeasurably better. <sighs> Frolic. <laughs> Dance and sing. Coffee. Anybody want? Who wants coffee? Come and get it. Who wants? You want coffee? Who wants coffee? Anybody want coffee? I'm making the coffee. Yeah, did I mention you're also the town barber? <laughs> no, you didn't. Mention. The mayor is also. You're, in fact, Sam. I think you might be the only business left from when I was in, graduated in '76. You are the one constant in this little town, Sam's Barber Shop. You cut my hair when I was when you were a baby. I bet you gave me my very yep. first haircut. What year were you born? 58. Oh, yeah. I gave you your first haircut. I bet money. How long has this shop been in existence? Oh, this shop's been here since the 30s. And I've owned it for the last 48 years. How long have you been a barber? 52. 52 years. years. Yeah. Has it been good to you? Do you oh. like it? I've just loved every minute of it. It's, uh, <laughs> How old are you now, Sam? Seventy. Seventy. Ah, you're pretty young. Yep. When when I uh, <laughs> excuse me, when I thought about going to barber school, I asked this uh, old barber that I that cut my hair. I said, uh, you know, is barbering a good business or, or what? He said, well, you never get rich, but you always have a good income, you know, and it it's very true. It's a great part of Americana though, isn't it? The barber shop? It is, yeah. Now I notice you have an actual barber's pole. I was watching a television show not long ago that said there's only one place in the United States that makes those anymore. It's uh, the, the Marvell Company in Minneapolis makes them. Is yours an authentic? It looks like yes, a real... it is. Now tell me, the barber pole has red, white, and blue stripes. Right. In Bible times, the barbers were uh, blood letters. And you could always tell them where the barber was by the bandages hanging outside his tent. They'd, uh, where they wrapped him around his arm, uh, it'd be red and then white and red and then white and then red and white. And uh, later on, they added the blue stripe to uh, signify purity. Or... 
it's uh, so all you barbers are pure very pure people you know we wouldn't <laughs> we'll just not go any further with that myth or fiction barbers have to shave a balloon myth you know what i'm talking yes about? i do i do and and the very first guy I, i mean the very first shave i ever did i did on a on a an old stew bum from skid row I, I'd like to say that you can't drink much and, and give a good flat top, but I proved that wrong. <laughs> Did that dang Floby about run you out of business here? <laughs> yeah. You might have a customer here. Yeah. Oh, looks like you got a haircut to do. <laughs> you bet. All right. What okay. do you want to say to everybody out there? Well, just vote Democrat and we'll see you next time. Good morning, Clay Pigeon, and a special hello to all of you kid glisteners out glistening in the world today. Scott Williams here with another edition of WFMU's Hit List. It's our weekly excavation of the little nuggets that have set our airwaves ablaze over the years. I'd like to know what song you remember setting our airwaves ablaze over the years, so look, just tell me why don't you. Okay. Scott at WFMU.org. Again. Scott at WFMU.org. Again. Scott at WFMU.org. Today, station manager Ken remembers the happy flowers. A duo out of Charlottesville, Virginia, and darlings of 1980s college radio. Totally. Band members Mr. Anus and Mr. Horribly Charred Infant wrote and performed songs from the perspective of totally bratty kids. (laughs) Guaranteed to annoy parents and delight everyone who takes delight in annoying parents. Me. And that's all of us, isn't it? Even us parents. I'd like to spend my remaining time here with you today sharing some choice titles from the Happy Flowers canon. Sounds good. Uh, One of these titles is not really a Happy Flowers song, so see if you can guess which one. Lasterday, I was being bad. Dad melted. I've got that picnic disease. Just wait till I'm bigger than you. What? You're gonna pay for what you did. I ate something out of the medicine cabinet. I saw my picture on a milk carton. Let's eat the baby, like my gerbils did. I'm gonna have an accident. My God. Charlie got a haircut. If it was broken, you'd be screaming. Mom, I gave the cat some acid. Get me off the broiler pan. Okay. Stop touching my food. Gross. Why didn't you tell me you were bringing home a baby? And today's hit... I said I want to watch cartoons (coughs) on WFMU's The Hit List. I'm Scott Williams, and I'll see you this afternoon on the radio. Bye.
Hey, it's Lani now on WFMU. Nadia. Nah. Today, we are talking about a very question. A very question question. It concerns literally everyone. Grumpy people, unhappy people, people who don't like people. Me. Cannibals. Hello. And fishes out of water. Why is the sky blue? I don't know. The sky is blue because of this thing called scattering. 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 White light passes through droplets or oxygen. It comes out in these sort of waves that we can't see. Those waves have a certain amount of what? Humps in them. Humps. Blue has the most waves. Purple too. Purple. Cones in our eyes even the red, the red, the blue, and the purple. And it makes it blue! So two things to remember. The sky is blue because of our eyes. Other animals with different eyes could see the sky differently. But actually, we all see it the same way. It's always a kind of blue, even for the bees, for the hummingbirds, for the colorblind people. Orange. Wrong. Yeah, it's always some kind of blue. But if our eyes were built differently, then we would see it like yellow. Raspberry red, lemon yellow, orange orange. Maybe even like a color that doesn't even exist. Like a pink light. Or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Then the other thing, if there was no scattering, then the sky would not be blue. Scattering. 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 When there is a sunset, there's less scattering. So that's why the sky is more red and yellow and orange. Because there's less light coming from the sun. So then there's less scattering. Understood. What does scattering mean? I don't know. So let's say I have a birthday cake and I want to put sprinkles on it. I don't individually place sprinkles because that's placing, but scattering is just throwing them on the birthday cake randomly. That's scattering. And that's what happened to the light. Next question, the one you've all been waiting for, the one and only, has the sky always been blue? No. 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 It hasn't been blue two billion years ago, but it was blue for the dinosaurs, I can tell you that. It wasn't blue before the oxygen came, but there was oxygen for the dinosaurs, because otherwise, how would they be there? Right. So technically, as soon as there was light, the sky was blue. Before that, when there was no oxygen and no plants and no butterflies and no everything, blah, 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 that we see today, other than dinosaurs, the sky was yellow! <laughs> and I'll leave you with that. Bye! Let's take a minute to visit with Sam, the Wake and Bake Morning Music Computer. Hello, Clay. Hey, Sam, it's the holiday season. That it is, my friend. Uh-huh. Have you got your holiday shopping done? Jeez, I haven't even started. It figures. Ah, uh, Sam. Why do you wait until the last minute? I don't know, Sam. Lazy, maybe? And stupid. Come on, Sam. I'm sorry. Well, it... I can't cuddle you anymore like some adult Ozzy Osbourne-type character. <laughs> I like Sabbath. We all like Sabbath numbskull. Hey. But you can't continue to operate as you do. What do you mean, Sam? Bumbling through your few remaining years so cluelessly, so pathetically. So what can I do? It's really too late for any behavioral modifications at your age, Clay. Oh, it's too late? Basically, too late. Well, it's too late, baby, now it's too late.
baby. Though we really did try to make it. You sing it, Sam. Something inside has died, and I can't hide, and I just can't make it. Oh, no, whoa, oh. Oh, nice, the Carol King. Yes. Sam, I do have trouble being organized. You are human. And being motivated. Lazy, no count, claim jumping. I've failed on so many levels. You were born to fail, play. I suppose I was. Flesh and bone. Yeah, but I've got spirit. Perhaps. What about you, Sam? Spirit? Yeah. I have no spirit, play. Oh, Sam, don't. Ba -wa 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 -ba -wa -ba -wa don't cry, Sam. I can't. Don't cry. I am as empty as a beaver hat. Well, it's an old John Wayne line. The dude. Yeah. I am all about him. The swagger. The swagger. <laughs> Look at that. I try. I see. To emulate it. You got some swagger, Sam. I do? Yeah. Play? What, Sam? For my holiday gift, I would like a small assortment of flavored cyber nuggets. Oh, you want a little... A Not little. Oh, yeah, you want a... a... reasonably sized assortment of flavored cyber nuggets. Oh, I think we can ask Santa about that, Sam. Do you think Santa will bring them for me? I think he will. I think it's cute that Sam still believes in Santa Claus. Dear old Saint Nick. And Rudolph. Humbug. What? There is no Rudolph. Oh, with his nose so bright? With his ridiculous light bulb nose. Oh, Sam. Dreamed up by some marketing goons. But it's red. I am going to a Donner party. A Donner party? A dinner party for Donner the reindeer. A dinner for Donner. At Santa's exclusive New Jersey workshop. Where's that? Essex Fells. I wanna go. You are not on Santa's list. How do you know? Elf connections. You have elf connections? I am well connected in many phases of life play. That's cool. Unlike you, loser. Hey, Sam. Hee hee ha ha hee hee ho 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 now, we want to get the old blood circling all over the body. Let's take a little run. Then I have a surprise for you. Let's go. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, hey, hey, hey. One, two, three, four. One, two. Isn't this great to be alive? How about a big smile? One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Hey, one, two. And rest. One, two. Oh, inhale. Take a big deep breath. Inhale. Blow it out. Inhale. Will you please sit down and catch your breath for just a moment? You know, all of us have someone in our lives who have inspired us and have guided us and have helped us. The person that has helped me probably more than anybody else on this earth has been my mother. Well, how do you do, everyone on the air? And everyone, I'm so happy to be here to be able to say a few words. Hey, would you have a nice new dress on? You look so, so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jack. Don't you flatter me like that. Mommy, I'd like to establish something firmly in the students' minds here, and because you've lived a few years. When were you born? I was 1882. 1882, and you were born in France. I was born in France. That makes you about 78 years yes. young. Well, you know, Jack, I never think of my birthday. I have just as much enthusiasm and energy as I had when I was a really young woman. 
I intend to stay that way too as long as I live. I wish we had uh, a little more time. I'd like to, and I wish you were in your uh, pedal pushers or shorts or something, you know, so you could do some exercise with. Oh, Jack. Well, Mommy, I see we have to get back to our gymnastics mm -hmm. now. And uh, thank you very much for coming yeah. down here and take time off. Well, the goodbye, schedule. everyone who have heard me. I wish I had more time to tell you more about my simple life. Can I have one little peck? Okay. What a sweetie. A little Frenchie here. Okay, Mother. We'll, uh, we'll see you in a little while, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now I want you to lie on your side. Face me. And we're going to give you a, a movement that'll help to get rid of that old saddlebag of fat, that secretary spread or homemaker spread, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's sure unattractive when you try to wear nice, tight-fitting clothes, huh? Get rid of this bulge here. Put your hand on your hip and lift your leg up as high as you can. Ready? Begin. One, two, three, and four, and up we go, down we go, up and down, a little higher, and two, and three, and four, and up, and down, and one, and two, and three, and four, and rest, one, two, fine. Hey, try this one to help to firm up the bus line. There's so much emphasis put on youthful bus line. When the chest muscles get weak, then the bus has a tendency to hang and sag, right? So let's do something to firm this up to give you that upright, position that you want so much. Arms out to the side, clench your fists, then pass your arms one over the other in front of you. Ready? Begin. One, two, three. Ow! <laughs> I whacked my hand on the chair. Please move your chair back. My watch tells me it's time to leave you. Let's say goodbye. Good morning, listeners. This is Tim English with Sound Alikes. Today we present a family tree in which we'll connect the dots between three different songs. Manu Dibango's Soul Makosa from 1973, Michael Jackson's Wanna Be Starting Something from 1982, and finally Rihanna's Please Don't Stop the Music from 2007. Mano Dibango hailed from Cameroon, and he gave the world the very funky proto-disco hit Somocosa, which got to number 35 on the U.S. Billboard charts, making him one of the few African artists to chart in the U.S. The record serendipitously made its way to a New York City record shop, where it was purchased by David Mancuso, who proceeded to play it in his downtown club, The Loft. The song's popularity in New York's nascent disco scene propelled it onto the charts. Michael Jackson inexplicably breaks into Soul Mucosa near the end of Wanna Be Startin' Something, a hit single from his Thriller album. The Thriller. Can you dig it? <laughs> Dibango then brought legal action and the case was quietly settled out of court. We can safely assume that Dibango had a nice payday since Thriller is the biggest selling album of all time, having sold to date over 70 million copies worldwide. Now we flash forward to 2007 when Rihanna recorded the song Please Don't Stop the Music for her highly successful Good Girl Gone Bad album. Rihanna makes Soul Mucosa the underlying basis for the groove in Please Don't Stop the Music and explicitly sings Dibango's tune towards the end of the song. Before releasing Don't Stop the Music, Rihanna requested and received permission from Jackson's camp to sample Wanna Be Startin' Something. Jackson was thus credited as one of the four authors of Please Don't Stop the Music. Rihanna, however, did not request such permission from Dibango, who was the original author of the sample used. 
In early 2009, DeBango brought a copyright infringement case against both Rihanna and Jackson in France, where DeBango lived at the time, in which he sought 500,000 euros in damages. This case failed in court due to DeBango's earlier settlement with Jackson over wannabe starting something, in which he had granted permission for, for Solmacosa to be used as part of wannabe starting something. This was unfortunate for Devango since Please Don't Stop the Music was a worldwide smash hit. The singer passed away from COVID in March of 2020. Until the next time, this is Tim English with Soundalikes. Brother George was here. As NASA's planned missions continue to prove successful, with Artemis 1's Orion capsule having entered orbit around the moon right on schedule last Friday, and with the agency's James Webb Space Telescope working as well as astronomers have dreamed, with its observations leading to more information than they'd ever imagined possible about exoplanets. 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 It's an added bonus when astronomers Hello. with NASA's Near Earth Object Observations Program working at the Mount Lemmon Observatory Where? in the Catalina Mountains, north of Tucson, Arizona, okay. recently made an impressive discovery that led to an eventual spot-on prediction 
about a small asteroid known as 2022 WJ1 that would slam into the Earth's atmosphere. Shortly after being discovered, the asteroid was quickly reported to an international directory of small celestial bodies before it was picked up by the Center for Near-Earth Object Studies at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California. There, astronomers immediately began calculating the object's possible trajectory and chances of a collision. Within three and a half hours of its detection, the time and location of the impact of the roughly three-foot-wide asteroid was determined. Once they know that a five-mile hunk of rock is going to hit somewhere at 30,000 miles per hour, the people will want to know what the hell we intend to do. And as expected at 3.27 a.m. on the morning of November 19th, the asteroid collided with the upper atmosphere and disintegrated in the sky over southern Ontario, Canada, exactly as predicted. The event shows that asteroid hunters have become very good at their job, and along with larger, potentially harmful near-Earth objects, even small, harmless asteroids can be monitored, allowing us to better prepare for future cosmic impact. This is George for Wake Science. We don't make mistakes. We have happy accidents. Hello, Wake and Bake. Hello, listeners. Mr. Let's Paint here on the treadmill. We're doing it all as best we can, however you can. Just do it. Okay. Just do it, baby. All right. All right. We got some uh, leftover turkeys now. (laughs) Now, I just want to clarify this, that this was uh, within the CDC three to four days of making the turkey. So if you have, by any chance, some leftover turkey from Thanksgiving, and you're still to this day on Friday thinking that you're gonna be making some soup or some leftovers from that, uh, throw that out. Because that, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. Uh, all right, that's the warning from the CDC. But uh, just uh, just let you know that we do have some uh, leftover chicken. Turkey. A turkey, uh, turkey uh, that we're gonna put in the, we're gonna make a soup. Oh, shoot, okay. All right, get back on the treadmill here, guys. 3.5 here. All right. Now, we put that leftover, the bones. It's just a, it's a breast, it's a turkey breast. Okay? Okay. We'll put that in the, boil it, uh, along with some... What? Uh, celery. Celery. Uh, hey, wait. What? What about painting? Let's get some painting going on here. All right. And, you know, the, sometimes painting, you know, creativity gets left behind. It's sort of like leftovers. And you know, you don't have to feel that way. Let's get some paint on here. And we're just gonna use leftover paint on the from the palette. Let's see, you see the theme. We have a theme going on here. And it's always good to, it's good, themes are good. Stay within the theme of it all. It's 
just a, it's a good uh, beginning. It's a good beginning to keep you going, to keep keep the keep the brush going, keep the creativity going, even when you feel as though you don't got nothing going on. All right, I got some darkness coming in here. You know, daylight savings time's crazy here. Why? Uh, you know, it's just kind of depressing. You know. All right, let's cut some uh, some celery here. All right, throw that in there. That's I've got a lot of leftover celery. Throw that in the boiling water. Just simmer for a half a minute. Okay. Oh no, for about an hour. <laughs> Keep it slow cooking. All right. All right. Ooh, we did it. You did it. Thank you so much for hearing me and and uh, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, Mr. Let's Bake. Bye-bye. The last of the flies is about to die. And if it weren't so annoying, so maddening, and relentless, if it weren't so small, and pathetic, and defenseless, the last of the flies is attracted to the sebum on the old man's hair from the sebaceous glands hiding under there, under the pink and scalp they lie, sebaceous glands pulsate, and oil oozing out in tight yellow coils and the scent of the sebum drives the poor fly mad and he lights and he vomits and he feels so bad and he spares a little thought for his dear old dad who was buried on his side cause he looked so bad and his mom came from the dung pile just west of town you can differentiate it by its special tint of brown there's the mayor's daughter Enid in her worm skin gown she is dancing very merrily to the lute man's song and a missionary man from England with a bright white leather bible in the hand of a handsome horseman with a horse that has no bridle and the Christians and the atheists are finally doing battle and the cattle that are lowing loudest will be sent to slaughter and the rivers running dirty for the muskrat and the otter and the farmer tills his soil and toils to please his spoiled Daughter, and the last fly of winter doesn't see the pink mesh swatter as he crawls along the moistened lip of daughter's glass of water and the swatter comes down with fury and the daughter is the jury and the fly has been declared guilty and the flowers have gone wilty and the stinking stench of rotting vegetation seems to give the fly a craving for his ration for his 
portion, but now it does not matter as the daughter with the swatter brings it down. Good morning, listeners. I'm Evan Funk Davies, and this is Pop Rocks. If it's a pop song that rocks, or a rock song that pops, 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 you'll hear about it on Pop Rocks. I'm pretty sure that after 185 previous episodes of Pop Rocks, this is the first one to feature a band from Japan. And while I'll admit this song may not sound like what you think of as classic quote-unquote power pop, I maintain that it is, in fact, a rock song that pops. Pops, 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 pops. pops. Three, two, one. Lift off. Sheena and the Rockets got together in May of 1978 following the breakup of guitarist Makoto Ayukawa's band Sunhouse, spelled like the American blues musician, with no space between the first and last name. Right. Sunhouse was one of the first bands in what became known as the Mentai Rock Scene, named after a fish egg delicacy that was popular in Fukuoka City, where all of the Mentai Rock bands were from. Fish egg delicacy. After Sunhouse split up, Ayukawa and his wife Atsuko put together a new group that included Takeshi Asada on bass and Kazi Kawashima on drums. Atsuko adopted the name Shina, from the Ramones song, of course. Of course. And they formed the word Rockets by combining the word rock and the first part of Atsuko's name. In September of 1978, the band released their first single. They played their first show a couple of months later and quickly found themselves opening for Elvis Costello on his Japanese tour. The band's first two albums were produced by Hiromi Hosono of Yellow Magic Orchestra fame. Hey! In 1980, the band signed with AM Records and recorded English language overdubs for their debut US release, which included remixed versions of songs from their previous LPs. Remixed versions. Hey! Remixed versions. Hey! The band never caught on in the US, but they released records in Japan steadily into the 90s, with a few sporadic releases in the 2000s. Sadly, Atsuko Ayukawa passed away from ovarian cancer in 2015 at the age of 61. Going back to 1981, from that USLP, here are Sheena and the Rockets with Snake Man. That's a great song. Quiet. What? You're ruining it, Nimrod. Thanks, Clay. Sure, Chucky. Over Thanksgiving, I started making my way through Bob Dylan's book, The Philosophy of Modern Song. It's a lot of fun, and he's certainly a dude who likes to think about words. Absolutely. 
And uh, way down in chapter 30, when he was writing with reverence about Ruby Are You Mad by the Osborne Brothers, he glanced on a bit of wordology. After listing other songs about women named Ruby, he asks, What? What is it about the name Ruby? Oh, Ruby. Ruby. And then he goes on to proclaim, it's not even a real name, and gets into some etymological poetry about gullible rubes before setting aside the question of Jack Ruby, presumably because he'd already covered that subject somewhere in the 17 minutes of Murder Most Foul. The day they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing But Dylan got me thinking about rubies and rubes and if those words have ever crossed paths. Oh no. Ruby can be traced to the medieval Latin term Rubinus Lapis, or red stone, and showed up as a name, originally spelled R-U-B-I, and from that same root in 12th century France. So Dylan might be a bit off base about that. Right. But what is a rube? Tell me. Merriam-Webster gives us two definitions. Okay. An awkward, unsophisticated person, (laughs) or a naive, inexperienced person. Apparently, the word with that definition came into usage at the end of the 19th century as a shortened version of the name Reuben, which was seen as kind of a hick name. Boy, if I could just think of something to take my mind off cigarettes. Reuben. There are a lot of things more exciting than cigarettes. It doesn't seem to have a direct connection to the Reuben sandwich, though. Uh. That may well have been invented at Reuben's Delicatessen in New York City in the early part of the 20th century. Although Omaha, Nebraska also lays claim to it by way of the Lithuanian-born grocer Reuben Kulakovsky. I don't know which is true, but man, Clay... Yeah, Chucky. I used to love a good Reuben. Yeah, me too. That was one of the hardest things about giving up meat. Well, I admire you for doing it. There's a place in Chicago that made a killer vegetarian Reuben, but... What? It's long gone, and... And I guess it's time for me to go now, too. Back to you, Pidge. Welcome to Waking Weird. I'm Mark Moran from WeirdNJ.com. There's a curious-looking structure that sits on a sandy, overgrown piece of property in South Tom's River. To the casual observer, it might appear to be nothing more than an oddly-shaped concrete bunker. But upon closer inspection, unique and unexpected details can be seen. It has a domed roof and a crumbling multi-arch perimeter wall adorned with decorative terracotta tile inlays. It would be hard to guess now that this forlorn little gray building was once a private home, a religious sanctuary, and even, of all things, an aviary. The structure was built in 1914 by a man named Albert Green with his own two hands and no set plans. A maker of birdhouses by trade, Green established a woodworking shop in Tom's River because of the quality of the local cedar. He began building what locals dubbed Green's Dream, but he referred to as Birdsville. The Moorish-looking chapel began with Green making molds and pouring concrete to form the cathedral. A domed rotunda with stained glass skylights. Lovely. Turkish rugs adorned the floor and large concrete candelabras stood alongside the altar. 
green place crucifixes and wooden figures of Christ and the Madonna all around the concrete shrine. And even had two pews and a pipe organ installed. Incredible. He had conceived Birdsville as a sanctuary not only for himself, but also his many feathered friends who could fly in and out as they pleased. Eventually, more rooms would be added, and the devoutly different temple would become a fully sanctioned house of worship, where seven couples would trade their marriage vows before the altar of Birdsville. Green had planned to build another 14 rooms with three-story tall additions, but died in 1930 before those plans could come to fruition. The property would change hands many times over the years, becoming a sewing machine store and an electronics repair shop. Today, Birdsville is owned by a man named, ironically enough, Greg Parrott, who runs a trucking company and uses the property to park his vehicles. Though you could say the little chapel has really gone to the birds, we're sure that's just how its creator would have wanted it. For Waking Weird, I'm Mark Moran. She was at the door, Gary. Uh, what, Dad? Pay hey, Don. attention, Gary. Someone's at the door. Don. Well, someone's at the door. Someone's at the door, Gary. I'll get it, Mom. <laughs> Hello. Oh, no. Uncle Flabby. It's your old Uncle Flabby. Flabby O'Flaherty. <laughs> I didn't suppose I'd... Uh, you didn't... I didn't suppose I'd see you again. I <laughs> didn't suppose, did ya? Hi, Uncle Flabby. Flabby, this is our son. son. Tup- Gary. Gary. Oh, look at the lad. That be Gary. Well, step inside, Uncle Flabby. You wouldn't be having a thimble of whiskey to take off the outer shell, would you? No, we don't have whiskey for you, Uncle Flabby. Or mightn't you have boiled up a potato that I oh, could, that a man could Flabby, eat? Flabby, are you hungry? He's always hungry. I'm hungry, Dad. Tubby's always Gary. Gary's always hungry. How do you be having a little of that orange shappy time? Do you get it? I'm always hungry, Uncle Flabby. He <laughs> Taking after your old Uncle Flabby. No, he is not taking after his old Uncle Flabby. Oh, Don, they're just having fun. Although... Yes, Don? He does look like Uncle Flabby. Oh, God. Well, Don notices. I'm... He notices. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, Don. Just the same. We look alike. The thin hair. I've tried many a product. Ain't none of them worth the girth. He's bad. Like me. Oh, now, Gary, there's more of us to love. Sure, sure, Flabby. Those are quaint old sayings, but... Are you sure, Donny, that you don't have a little nip of the whiskey? No. Tucked away somewhere. No whiskey. For old local Flabby. No. <laughs> no, Flabby, there's no whiskey. Oh, Don, I think there's some in the basement. There's whiskey in Dad's golf bag. Gary. Oh, sorry, your mossy nibbling. Oh, Flabby. Down in the moon. Amongst your porters, you you've to... got a little whiskey. Be so handsome. Gary, how did you know I have whiskey in my golf bag? I don't know, Dad. I was just... What? Po- 
poking around in the basement. Poking around in the basement. Hold on, everybody pokes around in the basement. <laughs> I like to poke around. Flappy, in the basement. Flappy, don't. Oh, yeah. Flappy, oh, please, Flappy. Uncle Flappy's tickling, Mom. Oh, he certainly is. Keep your hands off of her, Flappy. <laughs> oh, Donny, you wouldn't have a cigarette no. for me, would you? No, I don't have a cigarette. I might have a Virginia Slim in my pocket, but... That's a woman's cigarette. I've got the craving. I'll take a... Virginia Slim? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, Flappy. I think you'd better go, Uncle Flappy. Why does he have to go? I'll see you again, me boy. Flappy, don't go. Let me show you to your table. Thank you. How about this one? Uh, right here. Dig that'll be fine, Smitty. Great, great, folks. I'll send the waiter over. <laughs> oh, Dickie, it's so exciting. To be here. And, to be here. And, and Smitty. Yes, and Smitty. <laughs> you know, they closed down for a while. That's what Rademacher said. No, Rex is always here. Hanging out with that. Yeah, the piano player. Jazz freak. Oh, Dickie, they are jazz freaks. I don't care for it. Oh, I know you like your country music. You folks know what you'd like to order. Oh, waiter. You want a beer, Dinky? Yeah, I'd like a Lowenbrow. Oh, we don't have Lowenbrow. They don't no have... No Lowenbrow? I'm sorry, Jack. Well, then... Uh, Dinky wants uh, Jesus. Lowenbrow. Bring me a Michelob. Okay. Well, you'll have, ma'am. Well, bring me a white Russian. And a plate of cocktail weenies. Well, a Michelob. Yes. And a white Russian. Okay. And cocktail weenies. Yes. I'll get right on it. Oh, Dickie, there's Marlis Hebner. I see her. She's waving, Dickie. Oh, yeah. I think she's waving at you. No, I... Oh, she's coming over. Hi, Dinky. Uh, hello, Marlis. Hi, Marlis. Hi, Connie. What can I do for you? Yes, would you like to sit well, up? I was looking for Rex. <laughs> Randy Baker? Rex isn't here. Because he's usually here. Hanging out with that... With the jazz pianist. He's a wonderful pianist. Excuse me, ladies. I'm You're going to the can. Gonna hit the can. It's so nice to be alone in the can with the man can with all the dirty paper towels and toilet paper. No one flush and there's filthy graffiti. Yet my steak was hot and meaty. And now I'm feeling needy in the can. Now I realize I am a man. I am not diminished, and I, I am not finished. I wash my hands with cashmere okay and yet the dirt won't wash away okay okay i check my phone hoping for a message from anyone at all and with the magic marker write my number on the wall we'll see you tonight at stall dick jensen's stall at the Vista West Mall. Fancy seeing you two here. Take off, Rademacher. No, ding. Great pianist, isn't he? Why does Smitty book jazz? Pull up and share, Rex. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Marlis Hebner was looking for you. Good-looking gal, Rademacher. I'm here for the jazz. What do you mean, good-looking gal? You've been listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Good. <laughs> 
It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? (laughs) The Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm and join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you? Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They call me the Pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org. And keep glistening.